Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. You're like a nerd mixed with a dork or something. Tom, Star Wars is not that nerdy. No, Star Wars is not that nerdy. This will be our link to the Marvel Universe from the Star Wars Universe. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. And this is the Nerdette Podcast. This week, we're going to talk about some of our very favorite things from 2013 and a little bit of a look ahead to the things we're going to nerd out about in 2014. Yes, we'll also hear from newsman Al Keefe about the worst story pitches he's gotten in 2013. But first, Greta, you made many, many lists for us, yes? Yeah, and I'm curious to see where you fall on some of these issues. First up, overall... Favorite three shows of 2013. What's number three? Number three for me is Alpha House, which I know a lot of people haven't seen because it's randomly on Amazon. But I finally watched it and it's amazing. It's about a house in D.C. where three senators live together and they're all Republicans. And it's pretty much one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I highly recommend it. This is John Goodman, right? Who is good in everything. Exactly. Who doesn't love John Goodman? All right. My number three, I think, is going to disappoint you. And we don't have to talk about it a lot because I have a feeling it's coming up on your list. But my number three this year is The Return of Arrested Development on Netflix. Not a lot of straight up TV on our list. I think that's going to be a theme this year. That's funny that your number three is Arrested Development. I am just happy that it's on your top three, Trisha. That's all I'm going to say about it. All right. (laughs) (laughs) What about you for number two? Number two for me is Parks and Recreation. I think the show now may be nearing its logical end, but I think they've done some really strong storytelling this year with folks like Chris Pratt getting to grow as a character. And really, what's better than Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope? Nothing. It is a really beautiful thing. How about you? Number two? Number two, I picked something a little more on the serious side. I really loved Orphan Black, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. Orphan Black is the sci-fi near-future drama from BBC America that was new this year. That's one of the things I'm most excited about watching in 2014 is season two. Season one did not have a dull episode. Ever get the feeling that someone looks familiar? And suddenly, it hits you. My name is Beth. Allison. Katya. Kasima. My name is Sarah. But who are they? What's going on? When did I become us? And as much as they revealed, which I won't reveal here, no spoilers, there's still a lot of questions that need answering, so I'm excited for season two of Orphan Black. Yes, that comes out in April. It's going to be really good, I think. And drumroll? Number one, Greta. I think we know where we're going here. (laughs) Should we just guess each other's, see what happens? Okay, on three. Three, two, one. Yours is Arrested Development. Nope. You're wrong about me. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, you definitely had me pegged. Yeah, Arrested Development. If you haven't watched it at least three times, you got to just go do that right now. It just gets better. To be clear, the homework is not just to watch the new season of Arrested Development on Netflix that came out last year, but to watch it again. On repeat. Again. On repeat. Again. (laughs) George Michael, what is my logon password again? Unfortunately, it was his son's dorm room at the University of California at Irvine. Come on. What have we... Said is the most important thing. 
I have tried family. It does not work for me. No. Privacy. The reason Arrested Development is so funny is because it's constantly self-referencing. This is why we loved the first three seasons. This is why you love the fourth. Just go and do it. So I really guessed wrong on yours. I think if I had to give a best in show award, it would be to Breaking Bad. But of things that I was most surprised by in 2013, Orange is the New Black is topping my list for TV this year. So two of my three shows are Netflix. How many of yours are Netflix? Alpha House is Amazon and Arrested Development is Netflix. So two out of three are online streaming. And one of yours is British. Man, we are not giving much love to the American TV this year. (laughs) But I promise you folks that these Netflix shows are great for the binge watchers among us. Absolutely. You know, it's funny you say that, though, because Alpha House actually is still doing weekly releases, even though it's on Amazon, which is very interesting. Oh, I don't know if I like that. Partly I like it, partly I don't. It's fun to be able to binge, but it's also kind of exciting to get something new every week. There are a couple of shows in 2013 that I used to really love, but I've decided I just have to break up with. Is that the same for you, Tricia? For me, the one that was the most clear this year, but that I didn't actually have to do the ending of the relationship with, was Dexter. I couldn't believe I was still watching it. Since the John Lithgow season midway through the series, I haven't actually loved the show, but I've been curious about what was going to happen. And for those of you who didn't keep up with Dexter, let me just say that as rewarding as the Breaking Bad finale was, take all of that elation... Take it in the reverse direction, and that's how I felt about the finale of Dexter. I should have known. I should have ended the relationship earlier. Yeah, I ended up actually watching the entire last season except for the finale. I read a summary and thought, okay, that's fine. Now I know. Which is a really bad sign if you're not even compelled enough to watch the last hour of the series. For me, I think it was The Walking Dead. I finally decided that I can just let it go. I just am bored every time I try to watch it. I'm proud of you for doing that because that's one of those shows that I've been peer pressured into watching for a long time and actually have never started. (laughs) Don't be mad, everyone. I just, there's only so much time. I did enjoy it for a while, but it just got really stale to me. It's one of those shows that's so much tension and not enough movement. And so it ended up just kind of driving me insane. (laughs) So are there any new shows that you thought you would like theoretically, but just haven't been able to get into this year? I adore Alice and Janie. I would watch her read a phone book. And so when I saw that she was coming back to TV in a big way in 2013, I was excited She did not disappoint on Showtime's Masters of Sex. She's fantastic on that show. But her other and probably more watched return to television has been the show Mom on CBS. And I should have known, CBS, you always get me. (laughs) You put actors I like in things and then they're terrible. Then you put laugh tracks on them. And then you put weird laugh tracks. And Anna Faris, also fantastic, funny. These are two smart, hilarious women. And the show is just unwatchable for me. There's my baby. Oh my, oh, my God. What are you doing here? I have been a terrible mother to you. Yeah, the worst. Why don't we talk about it at home? You you need to know that I will never let you down again. I got it. Message received. I have to get back to work. No, you have worked enough. Let me lighten your load. Okay, it's not a load, Mom. It's... Hi, I'm Bonnie. I'll be your server. <laughs> Why, you folks don't have any bread. Why don't I go get you some? <gasps> Mom? <laughs> I couldn't find any. Red, so I brought you another candle. Yeah, Mom, I think, is really disappointing. I, too, had high hopes and just couldn't believe it was happening. Luckily, Alice and Janie is able to make up for it because her performance in Masters of Sex is so phenomenal. I have spent the day racking my brains, pacing, wondering, 
Maybe I should light his clothes on fire. Maybe I should drive his car into the pool. Maybe I should tell him all about the man I've been seeing, who, by the way, wanted me in Mark, his bed, though Margaret. he didn't love me. I don't say this to punish you, although God knows you deserve to be punished. I mean, prostitutes? That is so insulting to me and will, so far will, beneath you. I will you. never do it again, ever. I swear to you. Even if you never laid a hand on a hooker again, that wouldn't change what is so impossible to understand. Speaking of Alice and Janie, there are several actors from West Wing who really did a great job on TV over the last year. And Alice and Janie is obviously one of them. Bradley Whitford, also trophy wife. You know, I was worried it would be trash, but I've really been enjoying it. I love the fact that it seems normal to us to just be like, and now we're going to talk about actors from the West Wing. It's like we're their <laughs> well, aunts. Obviously, we're going to talk oh, about actors from Bradley the West Wing. Oh, how's Bradley doing these days? <laughs> Some of you may have seen the article about the meticulous way that Netflix has created subgenres of TV. I wonder if this is one of them. Actors from the West Wing are in it. Because if that's a subcategory on Netflix, just exactly. sign me up for that. That's all I that's... need to watch. We we are both huge West Wing nerds. And right. so we follow their careers like we're their relatives or something. We just want good for them and everything they do going forward. Except Josh Molina. I don't know how I feel about him. But everyone from the original crew. Like you said, Bradley Whitford on Trophy Wife. That was a show that suffered from an overbearing voiceover track in its pilot, but thankfully shed it for the rest of the series and has been a really fun show. Marsha Gay Harden is hysterical on that show. And of course, we can't forget that Rob Lowe is still making us laugh on Parks and Rec and making us cringe on Californication. So speaking of Parks and Rec, I thought one of the best cameos in television history happened in Parks and Rec in 2013. Do you, you know what I'm oh, talking gosh. about already? I don't know. My name is Garth Blunden, and I object to your ridiculous proposal. Uh, the Pawnee Charter uh, shall not be changed. Not today, not ever. <laughs> the Star Wars filibuster? Patton Oswalt on Parks and Rec. Let the filibustering begin. I would now like to share some ideas I have for J.J. Abrams' seventh chapter in the Star Wars saga. Pan down from the twin sons of Tatooine. We are now close on the mouth of the Sarlacc pit. After a beat, the gloved Mandalorian armor gauntlet of Boba Fett grabs onto the sand outside the Sarlacc pit, and the feared bounty hunter pulls himself from the maw of the sand beast. Then uh, he's right. He can do this. This is exactly why we need to modernize these laws. This kind of thing made sense when we had council in a barn and there were 80 people in the town, but, but now this is nuts. If he holds the reality gem... That means he can jump from different realities. This will be our link to the Marvel Universe from the Star Wars Universe. There's also another <laughs> cut online where he goes for like eight minutes. I just think it's so the hilarious. The passion. The passion. So I'm not really much of a movie watcher, but there are a couple movies coming out in 2014 that I'm super excited about. One of them is The Giver, which is based on the book by Lois Lowry. If you haven't read the book, you probably should, just because I think it's always good to read the book before you go see the movie. But this movie looks phenomenal. This cast, Meryl Streep is in it. Also, Alexander Skarsgård, therefore, <laughs> I'm there. You can find a list of our lists on our website, nerdetpodcast.com. All the lists... WBEZ political reporter Alex Keefe was one of the very first people when we started Nerdette Podcast who said, I want to be a Nerdette. Which we always admire, especially coming from those folks of the male variety. It's true. And 
Alex Keefe is a nerd. He will readily own up to having a history of historical reenactment. He's my new strategic board game buddy here in Chicago. (laughs) And he has a knack for finding the funny in email clutter. Okay, so this is a list of what I will call the best of the worst email press release story pitches of 2013. Maybe all time. Maybe of all time. Some of them are definitely in the running for all time. So I've collected these. I post them to my Facebook page as I receive them. With no comment usually, but I think I've distilled them down to the most horrendous, genius PR pitch emails I've received in the world. And I think we should explain a little about how this works to people who aren't in the media. So I'm a political reporter. I cover politics. But nonetheless, I get on these blast email lists from like PR firms or something, and they just send you any story idea. You're just on the list. You're a reporter. They don't care. So I get some story pitches that are a little – Irrelevant, I guess I should say. So so that's sort of the background of this whole thing, right? Right. And you get what? Like several of these a day, right? Oh, yeah. You can get dozens of these in a day. I mean, to our main news inbox here at WBEZ, there could be hundreds of emails in a day. We're, we're talking about a lot of pitch emails. We ignore the vast majority of them. But these are the nuggets that I have mined out. And they are juicy and they're, they're beautiful <laughs> in their irrelevance, I think. All right, let's let's hear an example. Okay, so I have five. So I did the top five, and I think the five I picked each sort of represent a category of irrelevant PR pitch emails. So so I'm hoping to sort of explain how this whole system works. So number five, I put this in the specious assumption category of PR pitch emails. Uh, this one to my colleague Tony Arnold, who covers state politics. It says, "Quote, dear Tony Arnold, the secession of Texas from the union seems to dominate much of today's news." <laughs> So that's the first sentence. And that's what I save. I save the first sentences. I kind of like it when they're out of context. But, you know, that right there presumes that like, oh, yeah, you guys have all been following all these efforts from Texas to secede from the union, right? That's all we're talking about. Not only is it all we're talking about, it is dominating the news cycle. So it just assumes that we've all been covering this story, which, of course, like you've never heard of before. I will say, though, at least that's tangentially state politics. It is. You're right. It is tangentially state politics for a state political reporter of a different state of a different (laughs) of a different state. If Texas were to secede, somebody like Tony Arnold might be covering that in a state like Texas. Right. Okay. Okay. That actually kind of brings us into uh, the next one. Number four. I call this the hit or miss. Okay, And it's very, very simple. It just says, quote, hi, Alex. Skiing is expensive. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That is correct. And I feel like that falls under the category of like, you know, I'm not going to try that hard. Someone's going to see this. It's either going to be the perfect story or it's going to totally swing. It's like if you go hit at somebody in a bar and you're like, hey, I'm really into bondage. Are you? Like they will either be all about it or they're like not about it at all. Not about it. Um, For me as a political reporter, you know, I'm sure skiing is expensive. But, eh, you know, it's just not – it's not hitting me right there. But they're giving you facts, Al. Skiing is is expensive. Right. It's a statement of facts, right? Yeah. I mean, it seems like a pretty legitimate statement. I don't know that it's enough to necessitate an entire story. Can that that bolster a whole story? And I mean, I'm kind of intentionally taking these out of context because they're funnier that way. Mm -hmm. But skiing is expensive. Is that the lead? (laughs) I don't know. Skiing is expensive. That's – I guess I'll stay tuned. So number three, now we get into like my my favorites of all time. (laughs) I call this the unedited 
And I mean that not just the email itself was unedited, but the thoughts behind the email seem to have not been privy to any mental filtering process <laughs> at all. Oh, good. And this is addressed to Kelly. I can't explain why that's addressed to Kelly, but it says – I'm going to have to read the punctuation. Um, it says, Kelly, imagine <laughs> – I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Take two. It says, Kelly, imagine never having eyebrows. <laughs> eyebrows? <laughs> I'm gonna try, I'll try it one more time. It says, Kelly, imagine imagine never having eyebrows, question mark, to feel almost alien without eyebrows, period. It actually happens more than people realize, comma, many babies, many babies are born without any eyebrows and many of those babies may never grow eyebrows. Uh, <laughs> And that I gave that one three sentences. It actually should be four sentences, but I gave it, you know, the three sentences there. And uh, is it about alopecia? I mean, I don't know. What, I, don't I don't know what that story's about. But um, that was one of my favorite ones. It's, I have a hard time getting through that one. Um, I don't know. Would you guys do that story? Would you have? Like I think a, these are these are the PR pitches written by creative writing majors who still are in their beat phase. So they think of themselves as artists. <laughs> They want you to be snapping. <laughs> These are like the Jack Kerouac yeah. VR pitches. <laughs> I guess I could buy that. See, I would picture someone who's really disgruntled because they don't have eyebrows. And they're wanting this issue to be covered. And they're wanting Kelly to cover it, right? Right. Yeah. They're reaching out to Kelly. Yeah, maybe maybe it's a problem. Maybe you guys will get a bunch of nerds calling you who are eyebrowless and like maybe this is an issue. Maybe I, I don't know. I'd never thought about this before. But the imagine lead is never a good idea. No, it's not. As we get into number two and number one, we're getting into the big leagues here. Um, and number two, I will call this the missed demographic email. Mm -hmm. Not not exactly for Al, maybe. <laughs> Nonetheless, it says, hey, Alex, are you working on any New Year's Eve beauty or fashion stories or perhaps any upcoming beauty stories in 2014? My client, Bosom Couture, has created a product that helps give women gorgeous cleavage without, all capitals, the need for surgery. It is called Boob Glue, and it is one of the hottest products to hit the beauty market. I purposely cut that off. I don't know how it works, but, you know, as a political reporter, I'm not covering um, Boob Glue. Yet. Yet. It's Chicago. Just you wait, Al. Touche. I'm actually surprised it wasn't on the list of things that Jesse Jackson Jr. bought with campaign funds. We don't know that it wasn't. I don't think we have an exhaustive list of every dollar spent, but it's a new product, so... Maybe it just came out. It's one of the hottest products to hit the beauty market. Right. See, I would question the use of the word hot with a product called boob glue. <laughs> you think it shouldn't be hot boob glue? No. I think hot boob glue sounds kind of painful. Like out of a gun? Like a glue, like a crafting glue gun. Burning boobs. Burning boobs. Yeah. That sounds really awful. That's terrible. So the last one has no category. I don't... <laughs> know what to say about it. It says simply, do you poop your pants is a question few physicians ask their adult patients, but one that Dana Hayden, MD, colorectal surgeon at Loyola University Health System, believes should be at the top of the list. And I mean, this was one about something called accidental bowel leakage, which I'm sure is a serious issue for people without eyebrows. <laughs> 
for the people without eyebrows or for the leakies, right? But from a PR perspective, what does that story sound like? Are you doing that radio segment with a straight face? Accidental bowel leakage? Can you work those words into a lead on the radio without having the FCC fine you? I don't know. But I love also that it says, do you poop your pants is a question that few physicians ask, yada, yada, yada. But this doctor <laughs> believes it should be at the top of the list. Yes. So you walk into your doctor's office for your annual checkup. Number one is not how are you feeling. It's do you poop your pants. <laughs> and we'll go from there. And then you go from there. So that's my top five best of the worst PR emails. Best of the worst. <laughs> Thanks to WBEZ political reporter Alex Keefe. We'll hope to hear from Al again sometime soon. Cocktails before homework? Yes, it's been too long since we had a cocktail from our booze nerd, Rebecca Polson. Lucky for us, she has the recipe for her very favorite cocktail of 2013, maybe of all time. And she's going to teach us how to make it, whether it's for one, two, or a whole room full of people. I don't like to say that I have a favorite cocktail, but I totally do. And it's the lion's tail. I actually don't think I know anyone who doesn't like this drink. We're also going to talk about how to scale up a cocktail into a punch to serve a group. Wintertime calls for brown spirits. We just don't think about curling up by the fire with a nice glass of gin. So today we're making a bourbon-based cocktail, but one that's also bright and refreshing. Since bourbon is normally paired with lemon, using lime for the citrus here adds an unexpected kick. But the real star of this cocktail is the spice. Allspice Dram is a rum-based liqueur with a lot of baking spice to it, notes of cinnamon, nutmeg, and clove. Together with the Angostura bitters, Allspice makes this drink taste like liquid fruitcake, but in the very best way. So to make one lion's tail, we take a half-ounce simple syrup and a half-ounce lime juice and add that to our shaker. We also need half an ounce of Allspice Dram, which can be a little tough to find. Sometimes you'll see it called pimento dram, and if you can't find that and you want to go hardcore booze nerd, I'll post a link to a recipe so you can make your own. Finish by adding two ounces of bourbon, a dash of Angostura, and shaking to chill. Serve it up in a chilled coupe glass. Now if you're serving a group, all you have to do is a little math. The standard 750ml bottle of liquor is 25.36 ounces. Since our recipe calls for two ounces of bourbon, I'll suggest that you pour an ounce out for yourself and say you have 24 ounces, or 12 servings of lion's tail. Multiply your other quantities by 12 and you'll know what to put in your punch bowl. In this case, it's easy. Six ounces of lime, simple, and allspice. But you can scale up any cocktail recipe like this to serve a group. Then you add your bitters. I tend to have a bit of a heavy hand with the Ango, so something between 12 and 20 dashes should do the trick. I always advocate using quality ingredients, but one of the reasons I like to make lion's tail punch is that you can totally get away with an inexpensive bourbon here. There's no reason to kill a whole bottle of the good stuff. The balance of sweet, tart, and spicy can make a perfectly mediocre bourbon stellar. There's one other very important punch ingredient that we haven't talked about, and that's water. Obviously, you can't shake more than 40 ounces of liquid over ice in your shaker, but if you don't dilute, your relatives will get more drunk than you ever want to see them. I like to make giant ice cubes by freezing water in those quart containers that you get at the deli. If you're traveling with your punch, I highly recommend the two-gallon mason jars that you can buy at the hardware store. They seal tightly, accommodate ice easily, and they're even pretty cute to serve out of. They're really cheap and you'll be the head of the party. Thanks to Rebecca Polson, our booze nerd, for that lovely cocktail. You can find a link to those cocktail recipes at nerdappodcast.com. And now it's time for homework. 
Really, Greta, are we giving people more homework? These poor folks have heard us recommend things all episode. Isn't that enough? Is that not enough for you? Well, I think we should just leave the listeners an option. You know, you never know how ambitious these people are. Since this episode has really been full of homework already, there's just one more piece for you. It's a list from my old pal Derek Thompson, who writes for The Atlantic, about why we love lists, but why they're also kind of bad for your brain. The article is called Seven Reasons Lists Capture Our Attention and Confuse Our Brains, and you can find that at nerdoutpodcast.com. That's it for this week. Next week, you'll hear from Meg Lohman, known as Canopy Meg, since she slingshots and takes hot air balloons into the top of the rainforest. She is a lady nerd extraordinaire. That's Meg Lohman next week on the Nerdette Podcast. Thanks to all of you who have left us voicemails. Call us and let us know what you're nerding out about at 312-600-5638. Thanks again to Alex Key from WBEZ. And to our booze nerd, Rebecca Polson. Thanks to WBEZ and WCQS, our home stations. Thanks to you for listening on Stitcher, iTunes, or SoundCloud. Throw some stars if you're feeling generous. Yes. BJ Lederman did not compose our theme. You're listening to New Old Toys by Poddington Bear. You also heard Something's Coming by Chris Anderson from the Free Music Archive. Do your homework. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.